Welcome to Study, Grow, Know, where we discuss theology, prophecy, and current political issues from a conservative biblical perspective. Here's your host, Dr. Fred DeRuvo. The word default has numerous meanings, like many words in the English language, but this particular meaning is what we're dealing with for this particular audio. Now, in that case, default means, quote, a selection made usually automatically or without active consideration due to lack of a viable alternative, unquote. And I would add, by the way, sometimes we do that automatically, not because there's no viable alternative, but because that's what we've learned. That's how we've learned to respond to a particular situation. And we all have our defaults, uh, the way we respond to certain things. And we've done them for so long often that we become oblivious at times that we're actually doing it because it's simply second nature. Now, most of us have been doing these things the same way for so long that we often rarely think about how we should react to something. We just simply react to it the way we've always reacted to it. And this, of course, can be either good or bad, depending upon our reaction and the situation that will elicit that reaction. So for instance, anyone who has been driving for any length of time knows that driving in the early morning or the early evening on country roads means the likelihood of seeing wild animals. And that greatly increases during those times. And because of this, an alert driver will drive more slowly, always ready to apply the brakes when seeing a wild animal. So just this morning, as I left the house around 6 a.m., and as I turned onto our dirt road from our driveway, up ahead of me, I noticed three deer standing in the road, a mom, and who only has three legs, by the way, and her two offspring. Now, I immediately slowed and gave them a wide berth as they ran ahead of me going on the same direction that I was driving. They were on the left side of the road. Now, if I knew that if I sped up to pass them, get beyond them, invariably one or all three would cross in front of my car and I'd probably hit at least one. Eventually, they did exactly what I thought they would do and they crossed over from the left side of the road to the right side and then went into the woods. Well, why didn't they just stay on the left side where there were other woods and fields and they had protection from my car? Well, because those three particular deer live on the right side of the road in the woods there, and they have been there ever since we moved into the home we now live in. So there are plenty of examples of how we use our default, whether the situation is good and pleasant or bad and not so pleasant. Our defaults are simply part of our nature. They become part of our nature because we do them over and over, and that's either for good or for bad. But before we became Christians, we had specific defaults in how we reacted to situations. And those reactions often stemmed from the way we were brought up, at least in part, as well as the personality we had and have and how that personality developed in us over the years. Now, the things that impacted us as a child and, for instance, how we saw our parents reacted to life, reacting to life, to one another, and to God, if God was in the equation, created a pattern for the way we ourselves learned to deal with similar situations our parents encountered when we encountered them. 
So interestingly enough, though, our default to the many situations we faced in life was a learned process. We may have seen how our parents handled stress, for instance, and we began imitating that reaction so that it stayed with us and carried us over into adulthood. Now that pattern may be firmly established within us so that we find ourselves reacting to the same stressful type situations nearly the same way our parents did. So that becomes our default in that situation. Now, eventually, we became Christian. And we sought to begin to follow our Lord and long to see changes in us that the Bible teaches will come to those who are dedicated to walking in his footsteps. But we still had our old default to deal with, even though we're new creatures in Christ. And that often creates a large gap in the way God sees us as righteous and the way we see ourselves as sinners and not so righteous. So that makes it difficult for us to kind of carry on and see things more accurately. Prior to becoming a Christian, our God word default had us in the position of being enemies of God. Romans 5.1, Colossians 1.21, literally estranged from God because we were not generated by Jesus through the salvation only he offers. The big problem is that when we did come to Jesus for salvation, we brought the same default outlook with us, and it takes a while to begin to understand that God has a new default that he has given us as a new creature, and he wants us to live by that one, not the old one. So this means that he wants to consistently remove the vestiges of the sin nature that are bound up in our previous default and instill within us the new default, which is the character of Jesus, our reactions to life. And then, you know, we'll, we'll then begin to mirror the way Jesus responded to life situations when he walked this earth. That's the goal. Now, unfortunately for us, changing our defaults literally takes a lifetime and will not culminate until we leave this life and see him in eternity. Understanding this can relieve at least some of the pressure that we feel while living in this world as we continue carrying and dealing with our sin nature within us. This doesn't mean that we should ever excuse ourselves, nor should we, by the way, beat ourselves up when we fail. It simply means that we need to realistically adopt a new default, a new understanding of ourselves, the way we think, the way we act, the way we speak. And we need to do this by learning to depend on God's strength in and through us on a daily basis to see and expect the needed change in us. Now, I'm not saying that we need to go through life focused on ourselves and uh, thinking about what we're doing all the time, but we should make it a point to endeavor to submit more and more of ourselves to God so that he will be able to make the needed changes more easily in us. We see this time and time again in many books of the Bible, but focusing for a few minutes on Deuteronomy in the remainder of the time we have brings us, you know, it brings us clearly into view of what we're supposed to do and what they did and what they didn't do. And I'm talking about the Israelites. We introduced this topic in a previous article called Forgetting to Remember. Now, the first few chapters of Deuteronomy are really, it's a collection of Israel's history. And here Moses 
reiterates to the Israelites what God had done for them and how the Israelites had reacted to God and his intervention in their lives as a nation. So in Deuteronomy 3, for instance, Moses recounts how Israel overcame Og of Bashan, a king who, by the way, is believed to have been a giant. We're told that Og's bed was roughly 13 and a half feet long, Deuteronomy 3.11, which may mean that Og was about 10 to 11 feet tall. And the same verse, by the way, tells us that Og was a remnant of the giants. This means Og was, quote, one of the last of the Rephaites, which means he was strong and tall. And you can also check out Deuteronomy 2, 20 and 21 for that. So throughout the chapters in Deuteronomy, Moses is reminding the Israelites of God's faithfulness and moving them from Egypt into a land flowing with milk and honey. He also notes that uh, the, the, the many times Israel failed to keep their covenant with God and how God reacted to those failures. In Deuteronomy 3, 23 and following, Moses again relates to them the reason he was not allowed to go into the promised land. Um, Unfortunately, because of the continued defiance of the people, Moses reacted out of an old default of his rather than the new default that he should have reacted from when dealing with the Israelites. And that unfortunate sin cost Moses the opportunity to walk into the promised land on foot when he was alive. He will need to wait until the millennial kingdom to actually step foot there. In Deuteronomy 4, Moses reminds the Israelites that the constant need before them is to live in obedience to God's laws. Failure to do so would result in being on the receiving end of God's anger and judgment. So basically, Moses was saying, you need to adopt this new default, folks. You need to move away from your old default and adopt this new one. Moses tells the Israelites that they are the only nation that has ever existed where God had a personal relationship with and endeavored to use that nation as his own instrument of righteousness to the world. This had not happened before, and it would not happen again, in spite of the fact that many, it seems, believe God literally founded the nation much the way he founded the nation of uh, the United States, by the way, uh, the way he founded Israel. So many think that. Many also believe that uh, the church has replaced Israel. I don't buy into either one of those theories. Uh, I believe they're wrong. I don't believe they're biblically accurate. God chose Israel, and he's not done with Israel. He still has a purpose for Israel, which he will use during the tribulation and following. But starting in Deuteronomy 4.15, Moses takes pains to warn them away from idolatry and what would happen to them if they succumbed to the temptation to worship other gods, which are not gods at all. And they were constantly reminded of this, but literally demons. In other words, Moses was point blank demanding to the Israelites that they turn their backs on their former default and adopt and embrace the new default. Whereas the old default was given to superstitions and worship of false gods and selfishness. The new default was to turn to God away from self and turn to God who was and is the only true God deserving of our worship. Now, Deuteronomy 5 is a record of Moses reviewing the Ten Commandments 
that he had given the people from his time with God on Mount Sinai. He goes on to note that because of God's presence, the people were afraid and didn't want to hear God, but preferred that God speak only and directly to Moses, and then Moses would relay God's message to them. That's what they wanted to hear. It was at Mount Sinai when the people of Israel entered into a covenant promise with God that they would do all he required of them. They didn't have to. They weren't forced to enter that covenant. They agreed to do it willingly. And because they entered into it, God took them at their word. Now, in Deuteronomy 6, Moses stresses the greatest commandment, which is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. That's verse 5. We see that in in the uh, New Testament when Jesus emphasizes the same thing. A few verses later, just a few verses later, Moses once again is stressing to the Israelites for their need to continued obedience to God and his commands. And Moses also emphasizes their need to teach their children all the things Moses was reminding them of so that it would go from one generation to the next smoothly. Now, what is very interesting here is that we can see not only from Deuteronomy, but from the books of Joshua and Judges, especially, that not only did Israel fail to continue worshiping the one true God consistently, but they were always falling away from him. It was a constant cycle, falling away, coming back, falling away, coming back. Moreover, God's laws were not only not written on their hearts, but they failed to pass these truths on to their children. And inevitably, this meant that one generation would follow God closely, then the next would fall away. Eventually, a remnant within that particular generation who seemed to know or at least yearn for God would cry out to him, and he would answer by raising up a judge in the book of Judges who would lead Israelites to victory. And when that judge died, the people began to literally whore after idols and devolve into continued sin and evil. Then a remnant of Israelites would begin calling out to God again, and he would raise another judge who would lead the people into many victories. And when that judge died again, the people fell away from God. So it's clear from Scripture that the Israelites had a default or particular mindset, one that was usually set ultimately against God and his commands and routinely led them to falling away from God. They never seemed to be a nation that understood their new default that God wanted them to live by, which was Godward instead of selfward. It became too easy for them, for instance, to intermarry with other pagan nations and adopt the worship of the idols that those nations worshipped and served. So the Israelites as a whole never understood the problem. But how is it with you, Christian? How is it with me? Do we understand that we are at war with the world and its attitudes and outlook? The world wants us to adopt its attitude at enmity with God. That's what they want us to be. They want us to be, you know, enemies of God. Join with them to stand against God. That's what the world wants. And that will allow them to feel good about themselves and see us as one of them. So we're not threatening to them. We're one of the party. God, however, wants us to understand he has given us a new default, 
one that is actually at enmity with the world. So we, because we are Christians, are enemies of this world and enemies of this world system. So because of that, and by its very nature, we will have the world coming after us. This enables us, though, to live the way God wants us to live victoriously. And we see this play out routinely with ancient Israel through books like Deuteronomy, um, Joshua, Judges, and the like. There is this constant victory when they relied on God, when they were faithful to God, when they followed him as faithfully as possible, when they endeavored to obey his commands. There was victory. But as soon as they started sliding away, as soon as they started ignoring God, as soon as they started eyeing the idols of other nations and worshiping them, that's when their problems began. This will enable us to live the way God wants us to live if we willingly place our faith in him and have our attitude toward him and away from self. So we as Christians have to make that choice every day, often, multiple times throughout each day. We have to embrace the new default, which God gives us so that we can be, be literally new creations. And we have to reject the old default, the old man, the sin nature that's still within us, but we've got to reject its desires. We have to reject its leanings, its yearnings, its pulling us. That's the constant battle we face as Christians. And instead of being like the ancient Israelites, we need to be more like Christ. We need to be more like Paul. We need to be more like others in the New Testament who endeavored to follow and serve Christ. That default in us has to be developed every day. And it starts with reading his word. If you're not in his word every day, you are not going to have a new default. I can guarantee that. So I hope you are in his word every day. It starts there. Well, thank you so much for joining me. And I pray until we meet again that God would open your eyes to show you how blessed you are in him. You've been listening to Study, Grow, Know with Dr. Fred DeRuvo. Please join us each week for new broadcasts that deal with theology, prophecy, and political issues from a biblical conservative perspective. 